Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Friday Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of the OEA. Friday Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are grateful to once again have our good friend and legislative guru, Ellen Pogamiller, joining us. Ellen, how are you? I'm doing well because it's actually fall outside. Right. So <laughs> just to make Ellen yes. a permanent seat. Yes. The, the Ellen Pogamiller <laughs> Memorial Chair. Um, okay. So Ellen, this morning we were wanting to visit about um, the governor's request for an investigative audit of the State Department of Ed, which is uh, happened last week and a lot is sort of unfolding. Um, can you give us a look at what did the governor actually ask for? So last Thursday, um, the governor Stitt asked um, the state auditor and the inspector's office for an investigation to complete an audit of the Oklahoma State Department of Education mm-hmm. and all funds flowing through it. Oh, it's a lot. So it's a lot. Yeah. Um, including determining if the State Department of Ed and Oklahoma school districts are complying with the Oklahoma cost accounting system, which is called OCAS. Yeah. And that's how all of the districts, you know, identify yeah. how they're spending funding yeah. um, in their district. Yes, yeah, their coding system. So I can, there's several stages of the codes and I can literally get down to say, this is a yellow pencil. Yeah, the object code and all the different coding yeah, systems yeah. that they use. So it's, it's a very detailed system. Yeah, it's not just one or two codes. Yeah. It's yeah. extensive. Yeah. Um, so this is like many complicated things uh, tied to Epic. Yeah. So <laughs> last year, um, October 1st, the state auditor released um, their audit on Epic uh-huh. um, where they determined that, you know, the Epic owed eight. million. They Mm -hmm. had been miscoding administrative fees. So you can only pay 5% in your district and they were paying over that. So that was a penalty that they incurred. Um, And then there was just incorrect coding in their OCAS system. Mm -hmm. And um, because of that incorrect coding, there were concerns from some legislators that what is OCAS? How is this slipping through the cracks? And, And the State Department of Ed has since then said, you know, prior to this, they really didn't have a penalty if mm-hmm. you didn't submit yep. your information or, yep. wow. um, you know, put in, you know, give all of the material. The state auditor clearly said Epic was difficult to work with mm. and did not provide accurate information mm-hmm. in a timely ma- manner to mm-hmm. them. The State Department of Ed clearly had that same experience with Epic. And yeah. so since then, one of the big changes that the State Department has made is if you don't provide that information, there will now be a penalty mm-hmm. for you. And wow. so kind of just ensuring that, yes, we yeah. do believe in our OCAS system. Right. We are ensuring that districts are providing the right information. Right. And like most of society, 95% of people do the right thing. But there's mm-hmm. always that one kid in class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting is when it comes with the Epic audit Mm -hmm. that was done the regulatory authority of the state department is to say were items coded correctly Mm -hmm. did they what what they said they were going to spend did they code it and were we able to see what they spent the Mm -hmm. money on what the regular what is not the regulatory authority of the state department is say did they spend it wisely did they spend it appropriately that's holding to the district. Yeah. And that's where um, the investigative audit with Epic was they were targeting 
them to say, right. you did not spend these funds appropriately mm-hmm. and they weren't coded. And there are timelines and systems that the State Department uses and they are telling them this isn't coded correctly. This right. is a red flag. You need to right. go back. And so they have systems in place. Mm-hmm. So there's it's a very well thought out system, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think that this is an interesting response to the, the epic audit because, you know, when you have a fox in the hen house, you do need to say, wait a second, um, is the guard dog doing its job as well? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we forget about the fox. Right. But, I mean, I so I do understand that. Um, but it's um, the State Department of Ed is audited. Absolutely. Just like school districts all the time. Absolutely. I mean, to Catherine's point, one, we have not seen a red flag at the State Department of Ed Mm -hmm. that would lead us to want and need an investigation, Mm -hmm. unlike Epic Mm -hmm. or Western Heights, where there were clearly red flags. Right. Two, the um, State Department of Ed is, um, over the past six and a half years, has been audited by our state auditors 20 times, mm-hmm. um, including financial <laughs> oh compliance and programmatic mm-hmm. reviews. And those yeah. are just c- typical audits that's done. Not They were audited that many times yeah. because they were like, oh, no. Right. No. Yeah. It's just that's how much oversight that they have as I, an agency. I think that sometimes that's a misconception that that audits aren't happening but they happen at the school district level. Mm-hmm. They happen at the state level. It's just, it's not always, it, it's not a news story to say, and I say that as a former reporter, to mm-hmm. say everything went as expected. Mm-hmm. It was you, fine. You had a clean audit. Right. OEA, we have an external audit. Right. And Because that's the expectation, yep, that, exactly. it be clean, that it be clean. Exactly. That it be clean. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that has... Uh, come up is questions about the political nature. The Tulsa World Editorial Board um, recently wrote about this and said that this the timing of it is um, is of note with the 2022 election coming up for the state superintendent's position and the governor. Um, What are we hearing about that? I mean, I definitely think um, the buzz around town is that um, what are you hearing out there? <laughs> we hear, uh, there, there feels like a com- political component to mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, when you have had um, no concerns, um, when your Secretary of Ed, um, Ryan Walters, current under Governor Stitt, has to approve every expenditure that the agency spends over $25,000, and now a couple of years later is calling for you know, trying to allege mismanagement or, you know, then there's, there's some concerns of what portrait are you trying to paint before you go out into the community Mm -hmm. to talk about what are the needs that you want to improve or change. And so creating doubt in a system like the state department of ed, um, can, you know, cause an everyday citizen to wonder why are they doing this audit? What what red flags are out there? Mm-hmm. Do we need someone to fix this? And, yeah. and so I I feel like there's a political component to um, when this was released and how it was released. So now now that it you know regardless of the motivations, regardless of all of that, um, the wheels are turning, and so um, the there's going to be a significant cost a significant use of staff time, who, who bears the burden of that? I mean, taxpayers, obviously. 
Yes. But, um, but the State Department of Ed is actually... Um, so the State Department of Ed, who is working overtime to ensure that our school districts are up and running during a pandemic that are meeting you know, exponentially bigger needs than we ever have in our school districts are now going to be tasked with not only paying for the state audit, but ensuring staff time is devoted to the state mm-hmm. audit instead of devoting it to our school districts, our kids, mm-hmm. um, in a time of one of our greatest needs in our state. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's a tangible cost and an intangible cost. And it's not like, I mean, for those of us who are in, involved in education, it's not like the State Department of that has a whole bunch of extra yeah. time on its hands. They just don't have this humongous budget. Right. You know, they are scraping every year to make sure right. that their budget obligations, that they get a bet appropriation from the capital. I keep pointing that way because that's the capital, <laughs> that appropriations from the legislature. And, but that's just less money for our districts, less money for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's next, Ellen? I mean, I think everyone thinks this is going to be a very long process. Yeah. So um, this has never been done, an audit this large. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in our state, so could be a year, could be two. And again, there are audits that we know need to be done by our state auditor's office. So since the governor did it, does he get bumped to the top of the list or (laughs) does he have to wait his turn? No cutsies. No cutsies. Yeah. yeah. I just know. I was in a district where we had an audit, an investigative audit that was called, and we had specific items. Mm. They come in, they set up camp, yeah. we're there three to four months, right. and it's not one of those things where you're sitting down with your CFO and you're opening your books and you're going through them. No, they go, where is this file? We'll go get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and you're, you're, op- it is extensive. And that was for a school district. That's a school district. As opposed for to a, a state specific, agency. A specific yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. That you're looking Not for. like the whole system well, that they're over. It, it will be, it will be long. Yes. Still going probably when, by the time that Joy Hoffmeister turns out. Yeah. So, well, thank you for explaining all of that, Ellen. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all have a great day. Well, we are excited today to visit with Amy Kern, Executive Director of Generation Citizen Oklahoma. Amy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes. So um, this week you visited the Capitol as part of an interim study um, talking about the work that you guys do. And so we wanted to highlight that civics education. First of all, for folks who might not be familiar with Generation Citizen Oklahoma, give us an overview of what, uh, what you guys do. Absolutely. So we are um, a part of Generation Citizen, a national uh, education nonprofit, Mm -hmm. um, where we uh, work with teachers and districts across the country Mm -hmm. to ensure that students have really high quality project-based civic learning. Um, We provide a curriculum Mm -hmm. um, that they use. And then we also do a big part of our work is providing professional development and coaching for our partner teachers who work with us over a two to three year period, really honing their skills in how do we do this effectively um, and making sure that inquiry method is a big part of, of that process. And students are understanding how government works by engaging with local and state policy issues that they care about. Which I love because like, this, I mean, so I serve on school board and I love hearing from students. Like, I love it. Have them call me. Um, So talk about some of the examples of your project-based learning. Like, what, like, give us a look at what, what are some of the things that some of your um, 
district partners and, and educators have been up to. So when they start the semester, um, and we are just at that point right now, right? Yeah. They're all just starting. Um, they start looking at what are community issues that they care about? What are things that they think, uh, what are things that students think could be improved? Mm-hmm. But they also do a really pretty deep analysis of what are the assets of that community that mm-hmm. can help them, mm-hmm. um, you know, to make it better. So they kind of, they do an overall analysis and then they identify um, several different uh, root or sorry, several different um, issues they care about. Uh They do a root cause analysis of those. And then they reach consensus on one issue that they're going to spend time with. And so that's where I want to to touch on the importance of project-based learning, not just being a one-off project or simulation, but being a project that they carry on for a few weeks um, or a couple of months, because that's where they really get to dive in and they get to try one thing. Oh, that's a dead end. That doesn't work. So they come back and then they refocus. And yeah. um, or oh, we thought this was a really important issue to our class, but we reached out to the community, and the community doesn't see it as a big of an issue. Yeah. So maybe we need to refocus. And so all of those things that go into making really strong policy decisions, mm-hmm. our students are actually doing in the classroom in partnership with their teachers and um, the community. So some examples are everything from. Um, one of the examples we used yesterday um, was a teacher talking about how um, he had students at Northwest Classen here in Oklahoma City, and there were a bunch of potholes around the school. Mm-hmm. And that became a problem as the students were turning 16 and their tires and wheels kept getting damaged. Yeah. And they didn't have the men- money to pay for them. Yeah. And so they were really frustrated. And yeah. they were like, why does the city not care about us? Why mm-hmm. do we have potholes? We don't see potholes around other schools, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Well, they reached out to city leadership and found that actually there was a, a five-year plan to fix all the potholes in Oklahoma City in you know this period of time, and in yeah. four years their potholes would be fixed. Uh, well, they said, well, <laughs> Along with all I'm the other not going to be gone in <laughs> yeah, four years. So what do we need to do? And so they actually worked with city council to give priority to some of the potholes around public schools um, where there's heavy traffic of. of unexperienced drivers yeah uh, or inexperienced drivers and made them fix brought that calendar that timetable up for a full year you know so it was just one year they had to wait instead of four and you know i think through that they learned okay it's not enough to just complain and be upset we Mm -hmm. actually have to go out and engage with these folks and tell them our concerns so that's one example but we've done projects around cafeteria food yeah um school safety is a big one and um all sorts of things can this only just happen at the secondary level or can it go all the way down to our elementary level so our curriculum and professional development is focused on secondary okay mm-hmm. um i'm also part of the civic learning coalition also work with the state department of education and all of their excellent work we actually have civic standards from pre-k as a state from pre-k mm-hmm. all the way through 12 yeah and one of the ways generation citizen has supported that larger effort um for our educators is we recently, this summer, we brought in um, Dr. S.G. Grant, um, who is a professor who has been working in inquiry-based social studies for decades. Um, He helped, he gave two workshops, three-day workshops for teachers here in the greater Oklahoma City area. And through that, each, those teachers have taken on, um, a unit. So each of them are creating a unit from pre-K all the way through 12 that's going to be open source on um, a website where they can go and get inquiry. It's called the Inquiry Hub. Mm -hmm. Um, They can get civic standard, you know, units um, using project-based learning and inquiry 
design in their classroom. And so those will be available. You know, we were hoping this fall things have gotten a little bit chaotic, but probably by the end of the year, those will be up and ready to go for educators across the state to use. Yeah, over this last couple of years, it has become a hot topic in our legislature, civics education, Mm -hmm. with many of our legislators. If you had pie in the sky, all the dreams come true, what would a, and because I can see schools now going, okay, we we have the standards, what what should that look like? What would a robust civics education program look like? Absolutely. That's what we talked about with our study. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing to note is Oklahoma standards were were rated seventh in the country um, by the Fordham Institute, um, our civics and government standards. So we have really solid standards, um, but awesome. those are only as good as mm-hmm. how they get, you know, into the classroom. Mm-hmm. And we heard from um, Dr. Hertzke yesterday, who um, just retired from OU, what he was seeing from college students that are coming in from mm-hmm. the classroom. And he said, there's such diversity in knowledge and skills coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all over the board. Some have none and some have a lot of. And he said what is inconsistent is the teacher professional development. Mm. Um, And so I would say pie in the sky is that deep investment in professional development and training for our social studies teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, We find and data shows that um, under tested subjects the teachers Mm -hmm. receive less um, professional development. And so, you know, up to almost 10 years ago, teachers were getting at, you know, when they were learning in college how to be a social studies teacher, it was very much lecture-based and Mm -hmm. end of chapter kind of questions. That was what we thought worked. Yeah. We know now that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It has to have, it has to connect to student um, things that are relevant to our students in their daily life. And, you know, we've understood that with STEM now. We also understand it with social yeah. studies. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge transformation for teachers to start to understand how to do that. The other thing that go the other piece of that is to provide, um, you know, realizing that civics education is a foundational for our the future of our democracy. Social studies and civics teachers should have that as their priority. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be pulled into also teaching all of the things you know i've heard <laughs> right, everything right. from social studies is when they do they fill out the bubbles for standardized testing yes i've yeah. heard that you know social studies is when a lot of districts do um the state requirement for financial literacy yes um yeah. mm-hmm. there are all sorts of things that get pulled into that social mm-hmm. studies time mm-hmm. that really waters down the class time where you right. can do a long-term project Um, So those are two things. I would say the additional two super pie in the sky, but I think we can do as a state would be to um, take our one semester government standard and make or requirement for Mm -hmm. graduation and make it a full year government Mm -hmm. requirement Mm -hmm. for the entire state. And the last thing would be a civic challenge or a civic project as a part of graduation so Mm. that we know that every student, regardless of where they go to school, have had time to engage with their community and learn those skills and actually use the skills they're learning in their classroom in their community. We know that if students do that, their their, um, overall academic improvement status improves. Mm -hmm. We know that they're more likely to go on for further education. Mm -hmm. And we know that they're more likely to vote and participate civically. So um, if we know those things, we can do better. And so those are some of the things that we talked about yesterday that we would love to see. You know, when I think about um, the examples of the projects you gave, like the pothole example, like 
yes, they're learning the structure of their government. They're learning how to affect change. They're learning, I, and but all of these secondary skills that aren't mm-hmm. part of the standards that are like bonus. You know, I mean, yeah. all of these other things that they're learning are so critical to just being a good like real world real world world. citizen (laughs) where you can say like how you can identify a problem and fix it Mm -hmm. and through the structure that exists you know because so often folks aren't as familiar with what what the branches of government are (laughs) and what the levels of government are and how the city council can Mm -hmm. affect your life directly every single day and um i just i think that that was so interesting in the pd you know every educator out there the the good pd i mean that's what every educator wants to wants to be doing their very best work for their kids, mm-hmm. you know, and and I th- I think you're right. Sometimes things sort of just oh well, we'll just stick it in there because it's not a tested mm-hmm. subject, and they can just also do this, and they can do this, and yeah. they can do this because it's it's just fill in the blank, yeah. you know. It's just oh well, it's just government yeah. or just social studies, yeah. and it's like no man, we <laughs> we need our yeah. people to be able to interact with their yeah. their government because that's what affects their daily lives. So how can people get involved? Like, I love, too, that it's a long-term connection. Two to three years is awesome. Mm-hmm. You can develop real relationships. How can people get involved how, at a district level, at a, as an educator? How can people connect with you guys? So I work with a program team here on the ground in Oklahoma, and mm-hmm. then we have a full staff across the country doing similar work. And so mm-hmm. we have a lot of resources. The best way is to go on to generationcitizen.org mm-hmm. and um, – Click on Oklahoma Ta-da. and you can get to my email. Just take cool. it right there. A current <laughs> at generationcitizen.com mm-hmm. um, or sorry, dot org. Uh, a current at generationcitizen.org. Mm-hmm. And um, we will connect them. We have lots of ways that we really like to have deep district partnerships. Yeah. So I think, you know, in Oklahoma City, we are Generation Citizen. We are working with teachers in every middle school and high school yes. across the district. Um, that's, that's amazing. For sure. And that's a real equity issue. Yeah. Um, because yep. we know that there are schools in our district that have more resources than others. Mm-hmm. And we are really committed to making sure that that um, our teachers are te- have the excellence and training um, across all of the districts. So uh, OKCPS is an example of where where we do that across the full district. Mm-hmm. And then we have some where we are just in on one campus. So yeah. um, in Putnam City, we're at Putnam City North on mm-hmm. one campus. Um, but we would love to expand beyond that. So district partners can reach out to me. Individual teachers can reach out to me. Cool. And I will say our curriculum is um, Oklahoma Standards Aligned. And we have, um, you know, uh, crosswalks where they can kind of see what that looks like. We also have, um, so we have tons of resources that way. But one thing I'm really proud of that we also do is we work with the district and talk with them about what are your priorities? What Mm -hmm. do you want? You know, for Oklahoma City Public Schools, for example, it looked at what is your... um, ideal graduate look like and yeah. how can we offer the our professional development and our uh-huh. curriculum in a way that really helps you get to that goal right and so sometimes that means um they teach it in 12th grade government in other districts they teach it in oklahoma history mm-hmm. um and and again we align with standards in both of those areas but it really helps them start to understand 
what does a comprehensive long-term investment in our democracy through educating our students in civics, what does that look like? Yeah. And then when they have other needs, we reach out and we do that. We brought in SG Grant um, where we taught, you know, he worked with over 100 OKCPS teachers. Um, That's so awesome. Helping them to figure out how to actually do inquiry method. Yeah. It's one thing to read an article. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is yeah. Yeah. really challenging yeah and um and so he worked with them and has, is continuing we actually have six sessions with him he will be working with teachers um over the course of this so they get to go and practice it in their classroom and come back and say oh that was yeah, a disaster amazing <laughs> that's <laughs> how professional development should be done yeah. yes well it's development yes. right it's yes. not like professional brain dump yeah <laughs> exactly sometimes i could is. go read an article but yeah. right. i get to actually experience it and do it and i love the component about that you're you're making sure that it's fitting their needs and moving their mission forward and their priorities forward yeah. so it's very tailored fit it very much is so and yeah. intentionally so right yeah. we you know education we you see if, if you're paying attention right now there is a big debate about where to like where's the control of what's happening in mm -hmm. our classrooms mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we can debate that over and over again but you know the things that we do at the at the federal level is yes our public schools should be a civic you know there should be a civic mission of schools mm -hmm. okay well at the state level we have standards that say okay yeah. mm -hmm. we're going to take that overarching value and we're going to put those in the standards yeah and then our school districts say okay well, here is what we need for our community and what yeah. our students need to do. So we're yeah. going to take those standards, that federal, you know, kind of mandate of, of civic mission of schools, and then we're going to customize it for our district so that it fits in our community. Um, and that's how it should be, right? That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time to, to tell us about Generation Citizen. And thank you for all the work you're doing in our schools. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be here. Let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Um, this next week, we've got some exciting exciting events that are going to be on Facebook Live mm -hmm. with our NEA member benefits. So on Tuesday, September the 28th at 530, um, it's going to be an overview of NEA member benefits, which are awesome. You know, Carrie, did you know that every member, every OEA member automatically has a $1,000 death benefit just by being a member? And take advantage of all the discounts, take advantage of the, yeah. all. I mean, yeah. and the, can I, the can benefits I mean, that just automatically come with membership. Yeah. Can I say this? The, mm. the member that passed away this last week, mm -hmm. that was his first year teaching his family because he's in his first year will receive $15,000. That's amazing. Um, from NEA member benefits. It's just a benefit of your membership and will help take care of, the the burdens that they are faced with so that uh, warmed that warmed my heart that's awesome it brought sunshine to my heart and then on Thursday September the twentieth oh my gosh these are so incredible is the student loan forgiveness and it's called yes. Savvy and it basically is a program that just walks you through and says what loans will you qualify for do you mm -hmm. qualify for any loan forgiveness not what loans will you mm -hmm. qualify for but loan forgiveness that you'll yes. qualify yes for. we've already qualified yeah, for we, loans. we already got the loans we have enough of we them we got the loans and <laughs> they are there but it, and it because the the federal loan forgiveness programs if you don't dot an i or cross right. a t it'll get kicked out right and so it helps step um our members through that process at a yes. very nominal fee yeah very I think I think the entry just to see if you would qualify for a loan forgiveness is free. 
It's just free. And then, but but they'll tell you. They'll and let you know. OEA members get a discount off of the nominal fee. Yes. It's like yeah. ridiculous. And I think the fee is like $29 a month. I don't even think And it's that was that before much. they took the discount. No, I think it's cheaper than it's that. It's just like cheap. I, I mean, yes. any time is now is the time to be make putting in to see if you would qualify yeah. for a loan forgiveness. And even though that that forgiveness may happen 10 years down the road, it's going to reduce what the payment. Yeah. And so lots of ways to save and your hard earned money, keep it in your pockets. Yes. Take please. care of your families. Um, keep, as you said, keep the lights on. Yes. Keep everything going. And then I hope that uh, you saw in our latest two emails that came out to our members, the edge, one is the edge mm-hmm. and the legislative on update on Saturdays is the opportunity to take a survey. We would like to receive your thoughts on the pandemic. We did this last year. We're following up Mm -hmm. again this year. This is vital information for us. Yes. And just because we're the people we are, you can qualify to win. Yeah. I love it. Either a $100 gift gift card, $50 gift card, or $25 gift card. We're going to be giving those away for just taking the time and sharing your thoughts with us, which is so important. So be sure to do that before 11.59 p.m. Sunday. Sunday. Save all day Sunday. Yep. All day Saturday, all day Sunday. It I When I took it, it took me maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. And And this is information that you and Vice President Carrie Elledge and the staff, like this is information, this isn't just like, yep. And this is the information you use. Yes. We need, we need the quantitative piece of it and we need the qualitative. We need yes. those anecdotal. We need the information that you're yes. giving us and we use it all year long. Yep. Absolutely. And then Carrie, I just want to take some time today and say thank you. Thank you to our educators out there. Thank you to our teachers, to our support professionals and our administrators our school volunteers, our substitutes, everybody that's Mm -hmm. working day in and day out to make sure that our students are learning that not just academically, but their well, their social well-being as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in talking with some teachers the other day and I said, so you've been in a month of school. How's it? And they go, no, 23 days. Wow. And I thought, Oh, wow. Yeah. Normally we count at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And the burden is huge right now. And please, I just want our members to know that we see you, we hear you, Mm -hmm. and that we want, you have a voice, you have an advocate that is, will work our, to the bone to make sure that your needs are being met and we will not stop until we see change and that you have safe working environments and our students have safe learning environments. It is just so vitally important, but thank you. Thank you for what you do every day. Oh, Catherine, I'm feeling all the feelings now. I'm going to go and email my kids teachers they don't get thank you don't yeah educators support professionals everybody does not get thanked enough 
Thank you for choosing education yeah. as a field. Thank you for choosing Oklahoma specifically. Absolutely. Kids like my kids, kids like your grandkids. Mm -hmm. And especially right now, it is it is a long road to hoe any year in the state of Oklahoma. And this year, good grief. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Catherine, now I'm feeling all the feelings. Yeah. All right. That is, woo. Let's thank you. And be sure to thank your people for those of you who don't work in education. Um, and speaking of thank you, thank you so much to Ellen Pogamiller of our legislative and political organizing team. Thank you, Amy Curran of Generation Citizen Oklahoma. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education. <laughs>